All right, Nick Smart, not sure if you caught this story today. The leader of the Memorial Golf Tournament, John Rahm, forced out by a positive mm. COVID test. Six-stroke lead. With a massive lead, yeah. Mm. Um, I, I'm going to ask you a real pointed question that's going to turn off a lot of the listeners right away. What are we doing? You know, at, at this point, if you're in America, people have had access to two do like both doses of the vaccine for months now. What are we doing that a, a perfectly healthy person at very low risk of dying, like who's at risk that's there? Who's passing it on? If you don't have the vaccine at this point, it's your own damn fault. We're moving on as a society. Put John Rom back in the goddamn tournament. What are we doing? Nick Smart. I mean, I see where you're coming from. I think it's more just to protect. Like, I don't think anyone's concerned that he's going to pass. I, I think they're just worried about how many people he's going to infect, right? I mean, like, when we know someone has a cold, usually they're there's like a social pressure if they're going to kiss someone to tell that other person in case they might catch the cold and get sick. Wait, is kissing part of the PGA now? No, no, <laughs> I, I, I just, no, I just mean like, you know, when people have the flu, like I, I don't know if I have a problem with what they did. I, I think it's incredibly bad timing. I think it's shit luck for him, but I mean, can you really send him out there if he's COVID positive? But, but what's I, I just don't, I just don't, I mean, they'd be so liable. It wouldn't even be funny. So I, I, now the liability thing is like, you're, I, I'm with you there because if this is basically an insurance precaution, I'm like the answer to what are we doing is capitalism. And sometimes that fucks all of us. So whatever it's, it's how it goes. Um, but you know, the idea that somehow Rom outdoors in a sport that usually has a lot of distance between people they are walking they are not taking carts <laughs> um even the the concern i guess would be if he got closer to fans or officials there but my question then is if you are going to a golf tournament or you are an official at a golf tournament why don't you have your goddamn vaccine yet and why is that rom's fault and they're outdoors. I again liability. I think you got me on liability there, because it because if it is liability, then yeah, that's an insurance thing, and they fuck everybody in all sorts of ways. I remember there was a music festival out here. I think this has happened on the East Coast as well a couple times. There was a music festival. Uh, shocker, everyone. People do drugs at music festivals, and uh, a group was going to set up a tent to do drug testing so that if you thought you had MDMA or ecstasy or, uh, you know, acid or whatever, they would test it and make sure it's actually that so that you're not accidentally, you know, ODing on fentanyl or some other weird shit. Right. Um, and that got shut down because the insurance provider to the festival viewed it as an encouragement to do drugs and felt like it increased liability. Uh, and so, they ended up pulling the testing site, which is like kind of the craziest thing. Was that evolved? 
I could see that happening at Evolve for sure. Yeah, I think that's well. I think that happened around here actually. Yeah. Um. Was Evolve the one with the big hill? Not yeah. sure. It was out in uh, either the wilderness of New Brunswick or Nova Scotia. I think around the the border actually. Um, on one side or the other. I think the and thing I heard like about a... Evolve was that you had to trek all your stuff up this giant hill, which is why yeah, I never went because yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, not. I think if it rained, it got pretty sloppy. <laughs> Very sketchy, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, enough on that. Like, the, the other thing about that, too, is, like, you know, where we're still seeing guys come back from their COVID and be compromised athletes, I mean, there is a responsibility to keep the other golfers who are very valuable athletes you know upright and healthy I, I just like the vaccine thing you know I, I think there still has to be certain protocols i think i think you can't just say oh well you know the vaccine's been out on the market this long and even though we know we've just determined you have covid we're, we're just going to push you back out there into the herd but but the reality is that the vaccine the, the first dose a lot and the second dose almost absolutely reduces your symptoms of covid in a way yeah yeah it's not going to prevent you from getting it but it's going to prevent a, a poor outcome exactly so we're going to see tons you know i think they say the the full when you're fully immunized you're 95 yeah. percent immune to getting it but what that also means is that five percent of people so one in 20 you know like think about whatever workplace you're at or whatever school you're at whatever classroom mm -hmm. you're in a university lecture you know seven people in that room are going to get covid um, even if they're fully vaccinated. Yeah. The the point was never to stop people from getting COVID. It was to stop people from dying from COVID mm -hmm. and, and stop emergency rooms from being overrun by it. Mm -hmm. And so if if he gives it, I, I think it's interesting. Like, I think you make a really interesting point about the professional athlete thing, and it does look like there's some negative effects. And mm. listen, we're going to talk about LeBron James in a second. There was a lot of talk about how LeBron wouldn't come out and say that he got his vaccine. And I think it's entirely plausible that he just didn't get his vaccine because mm. he was worried about negative health effects in, in the mm. next couple of days or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, which is it, certainly not to say mm -hmm. that like it's I'm not I'm not going anti-vaxxer here. I'm just saying like there's, no. you know, for some folks it you have a rough couple of days. I don't I don't know how many people out there, you know, that have got it. But like, no. Yeah. They, I mean, a lot of MLB pitchers who have had their start skipped because right. of their vaccine. Yeah. Um, I, I just I also want to say quick, I, I think we're in a real weird era right now when it comes to like these uh, Facebook Zuckerberg uh, frames for your vaccination picture and stuff. Like, I just find like, you know, it's getting to a point where like, if you don't put a picture out there on your vaccination day, then you're almost becoming like a social pariah of sorts. It's almost like a reverse scarlet letter. Yeah. I, I you know, like I, I'm all for, you know, live and let live. Right. Like I say that a lot. Like I'm, if vaccination is your thing, I, you know, and I hope that it is your thing, go and do it. But if it's not, you know, I'm not sure that's the end of the world either. Like one thing that doesn't get talked about and as someone who, for me, I faint sometime when they do blood work is there are people who have just morbid phobias of needles. And, and I never hear that getting addressed that that gets laughed over a lot, but 
Yeah. There's a lot of people that want this vaccination and haven't yet got it because they're deathly scared of the needle. And my heart goes out to them. Well, I'll, I am a person who is very afraid of needles. And um, I, I'm also happy to say I'm not one of these people that made a big Facebook deal out of the time I got my vaccine. Yeah, thank but you. You're welcome. I'd rather people just get it and, you know, yeah. I'm not saying stay quiet about it, you know, like tell your family and friends. But yeah. it doesn't need to be a big social media parade about it. I just I find it very off-putting yeah but i'll like i'll tell you they uh it's it's almost like they were surprised that like my fear of needles still existed right i think these folks working Mm. in the vaccine clinics and they do like good work i'm not like god knows i'm not bashing Mm -hmm. these guys right Mm -hmm. but you know i was i was shaking i was i was really quite you know uncomfortable with the whole thing it's not getting needles is literally the the last thing i want to do and Uh, you know, the woman said to me, she's like, oh, you're shaking. Why are you shaking? I'm like, I'm very afraid of needles. Mm. <laughs> you about to put, you're about to protrude my skin with fine metal. Like, yeah. What, what you, like, no, don't like it. Do not no. like. No. Yeah. Um, There's a reason we have a fight or flight response. There's a reason that people faint with needles. It's because it goes back to our hunter gathering caveman days where our body thinks we've just been speared by the horn of an animal and we're bleeding out. It's, it's still the same brain response. We're just in modern time. Yeah. I, I think it, it's a different thing. I'm not trying to lump you in with me cause it sounds like, like I've never mm. fainted at a needle. Right. So I, yeah, I'm, I, I get very anxious. I, I, I shake. I have definitely cried before. I just, I've never fainted. I, I just think for the most part, People who are experiencing that need to suck it up. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. Because it's not going to stop me. Yeah. Um. The only reason I haven't got my first dose is because uh. It's not your turn out there or whatever, right? Well, it's just there's some confusion in the gastroenterological community of what exactly to do with people like me who take weekly immunosuppressant uh, doses to stay out of the hospital. And while it's not a live vaccine, um. There, we're still kind of in a bit of a holding pattern, but that's where okay. herd immunity comes into it, right? All you healthy people get vaccinated so that the high risk, like me, who we're not even sure if I can get the bloody thing in the first place, yeah, are a little more protected by herd immunity, right? Like, the, this is the theory, and I, 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 for selfish reasons, want to see as many of you get vaccinated so I'm a little safer. Okay, that's totally fair, yeah. Um, let's talk about what who is it, Naomi Oscar. Osaka, Osaka, yeah. Um, American girl, Japanese heritage, so she does represent the Japanese flag when she plays. It was an economical decision earlier in her career because they realized, oh, my God, we can make a a ton more money if if she represents Japan in these tournaments. Part Japanese, Uh, part black, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's, uh, I think she's even from, like, Hawaii, too, so I think she has a bit of, like, uh, Samoan Hawaiian or two. Don't quote me on that one. But, yeah, half black, half... uh, have Japanese and uh hell of a really I mean now that Serena's on the back end of her career I'd say Osaka is the best uh female player in the world I mean we watched her beat her a couple times in big big stage matches and yeah I, I'll let you take it away but it, it sucks that her name's in the news for this because she's such a great player yeah I'll note I don't think it's particularly contentious to say she's the best female player in the world yeah no it's not it's there's no debate it was Serena and now it's her yeah so for those of you that haven't been following this story, there's 
a bit of a standoff that happened at the French Open. She proclaimed that uh, the... Sorry, I'm gonna just just to preface this. it. She's she's dealt with anxiety in the past. Um, she's dealt with anxiety in the past, and I'll say my opinion real quick. Like, I don't need to hear from her. I I don't feel like she should have media obligations. Just like I didn't need to hear from Marshawn Lynch if he didn't want to talk. You know. So for those of you that don't know, uh, Osaka had a bit of trouble at the French Open. Didn't want to speak to the press. The French Open said, you have to speak to the press. It's part of your contractual ob obligations. Did her first match, skipped her press appearance, was to find, I think, $14,500, something to that effect. Uh, my loving wife wants everybody to know that the app Calm paid for that fine for her. And at the end of the day, she decides to drop out. It's worth noting that the heads of all four majors, so the Australian, the French, Wimbledon, and the U.S. Open, released a statement saying if she doesn't do this press she is not going like we will kick her out of the tournament and she said no i have anxiety i can't do these press conferences uh the french open people said they tried to come to some kind of arrangement with her couldn't even get in touch with her they tried calling her talking to her she wouldn't talk to them she went dark she went dark so I think we live in a world where we are all so cognizant of mental health issues and, um, for lack of a better term, safety, that everybody's gut reaction here. And, and let's face it, the press are increasingly despised by a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people's gut reaction here was basically, you know, screw screw it they sh they shouldn't make her do that if she doesn't want to talk to the press why should she have to mm -hmm. um john shannon previously primetime sports fame brought mm -hmm. up the point that made me really get on side on this is that those press conferences are not about the press no one cares about the questions that the press are asking or the answers they're giving or that nonsense what they do care about is that it is the athlete, the greatest female tennis player in the world coming out in a premier event and sitting down on a table with Mercedes-Benz logo behind her and the Rolex logo behind her and all those other sponsors who have paid millions and millions of dollars so that when Osaka, who made $30 million last year from these tournaments wants to collect those big paychecks they're there to be made because if you think that these paychecks are all coming from just selling tickets and a little bit of tv money that ain't it chief so my thought is they they should basically just say to her like that's cool if you don't want to do press that's fine uh you're entitled to 20 percent of the purse Whatever you end up winning, you're entitled to 20% of that number. 80% of that money comes from corporate partners, and you're expected to play ball if you want corporate money. And if you're not going to play ball, that's cool. You just want to play tennis and not do the rest, that's cool. 
You're entitled to 20% of your money then. And we'll see how quickly she becomes interested in talking to the press again. Yeah. When you put it like that, I don't disagree with it. I understand the economics of it. And I don't disagree that if she doesn't want to do what the sponsors want, then she should only get a certain amount of the purse. I, I'm not, I'm wondering out loud, and maybe this is a bad idea, why some kind of agreement couldn't be made where she would, you know, like shoot a commercial for them instead. Like what? Well, cause she has her own, lo- she has her own deals. And so if at the French open, uh, Mercedes Benz is a sponsor and then at Wimbledon, it's BMW. I don't know the actual sponsors, but yeah, just, yeah. you know, I, I seriously, yeah. yeah. But if she's already got a Jaguar deal, mm. you know, no, I, I get it. I just like for her sake, like, uh, you know, you have to meet them halfway, right? Like if you're going to tell them, no, I won't do this, but Hey, you know, I'm a little more comfortable shooting commercials. Let's, let's work on this. Let's work this out. Okay. Here's, and now, now here's my super politically incorrect theory, uh, which I occasionally feel comfortable sharing on these shows, uh, assuming I've had enough to drink. Freedom of speech, man. Let's not pretend that anxiety is a untreatable illness. Like, you heard of Ativan, Naomi? Hmm. Or cognitive behavior therapy. I mean, a lot CBT, of people suffer from DBT. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, look at Zach Granke. He's gotten back out there on a mound after he. I mean, you know, at one point to- told the Royals like, "Get rid of me. I want to be a third baseman in the minor leagues, et cetera, et cetera." Or I think it was a shortstop, but you get the point. You know, there's there are treatments. So to act like I've heard the comparison, right? Like, well, if she had cancer. Would we treat her this way? I'm like, no, but she, but she doesn't have cancer. And by the way, if she had cancer, we would be encouraging her to get treatment. We wouldn't be trying to get her to do a press conference. I she the, wouldn't be in any shape to play tennis um, with cancer. And uh, honestly, to be the, the best at her sport, I'm not sure she's going to be that great with any of uh, those anti-anxiety meds in her blood either. Well, I, I, I think what you could do, you don't need to do something that you're taking every day, but if it's, you you work out a deal where you're like, okay, I'm going to, I'll talk to the press two times this week, right? I won't do it after every match, but I'll talk twice. I'll make sure that you guys have video of me in front of the sponsors and play nice and shake hands and do all that good stuff. But part, part of that deal is like, I'm only going to do it when I don't have a match the next day. So it's like, yeah, you take a day, you have a full day for it to get out of your blood system. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you're not you're not going until the day after. I I have a hard time imagining it would be that impactful on performance. But at this point, it's just she. I don't think she wants to play the game. She wants to break the game, which is fine if you want to create a revolution that's fine and increasingly athletes corporations these tournaments are all going direct to fans they don't want to involve the press they want to use social media they want to make their own video they want to send you to their youtube channel but as long as the press exists and we continue to do that and as long as espn is paying 30 million dollars you know for the tv rights because that's the other part of it. I talked about all the corporate. Like I'm like TV money's not that much money. Well, it, 
it's enough money that they're like, you're damn right you're going to sit there and give us sound bites for our TV broadcast. It, you know, I don't think you get to do both. And yeah. she, she's really trying to do both. She's like, give me $30 million a year, but also none of the responsibility that comes with it. And she thinks the $30 million a year she's been getting is because she's the best tennis player in the world. And it's like, no, really like $4 million was for that. The other 26 was all the other bullshit you were doing. There's really no easy answer here because the pink elephant in the room is she holds all the cards. And we just saw that. We just saw that play. Oh, I don't agree with, with that at all. Yeah, well, I mean... She's she is a tennis player, and if she wants to make a living as a tennis player, regardless of how much she's already made, she does need the sport of tennis, right? So she can't just keep pulling out of these big tournaments. But I don't know. Yeah, and if the big tournaments say you're not, don't bother coming if you're not going to talk. Then she, I, I that you know, won't happen. That just won't it should. Happen. It should. I'm not saying it should or it shouldn't, but it won't happen. Because I th- I think PR might. wise, it would be a nightmare. I know, and that's that's the problem. Is that like? I mean, yeah, like the SJW crowd has her back, and yeah, you know, like there's now that the left has embraced uh, corporate, you know, corporate Earth, really, because it's Rolex and and Benz, and you know, all these uh, these big corporations from uh, European countries. I mean, they, you know. <laughs> We'll see how it plays out, but it's going to be hard to go against her and and survive that kind of PR hit. All right, let's do uh, one other non-fight or football-related uh, item because I'll, I'll tell you what, I think the ESPN front page has actually been pretty interesting today. It's often not. Mayweather Pulse tomorrow, believe it or not. Oh, man, I could give a fuck about it, but we'll talk about it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I... I sh- sh- to a certain extent, share that sentiment. Is it a long weekend in the States that I'm not aware of? Because why would that fight be on a Sunday? They thought the Triller Holyfield fight, which I don't think is even happening any. Like, I think the event's happening, but Holyfield's not on the card. Yeah, Holyfield uh, is yet to agree to a bout. Yeah, he's a lot of rumors of that he wants to, but yeah, nothing official yet. Um, but my, my understanding is that uh, he... Basically, they they thought there was going to be a Triller card, and the Pauls have a good relationship with Triller, so they're like, they were trying to just play nice and stay out of the way of each other. Oh, so, uh, I see. Yeah, I see. yeah. I think they were hoping that uh, after the Roy Jones Jr. fight, that Tyson was going to go right into a uh, into a Vander and get that uh, rematch happen. I can't imagine a Vander wants to risk an ear again. Well, it's not even that. It's like, uh, you know, Evander came out and said Mike wouldn't accept the fight for X amount of millions of dollars. And we all know, you know, Mike doesn't have a ton of money right now. We all know Evander doesn't. So I, I don't think money's ever going to be something stopping that fight. The The problem is after that Roy Jones Jr. fight, Tyson seems to think that he's got a lot of big things coming. And yeah, he's got some interesting fights still if he wants them, but... I think he he should take that Evander fight. I mean, the Evander fight's the biggest fight he's got. That's what I'm. That's what I mean, yeah. right? I mean, 
there was some scuttlebutt earlier in this week before Jake Paul signed on to fight Tyron Woodley that maybe Jake Paul would fight Chael Sonnen and then the winner would go on into Tyson, but that that didn't come about. And long story short, I, I think Tyron Woodley uh, is going to rough uh, Jake Paul up. I I hope so, but we'll we'll see how it goes. Mm. Um, okay, last non-fight thing. All Major League Baseball pitchers will be checked repeatedly and randomly for foreign mm-hmm. substances by umpires under the plan being swiftly advanced mm-hmm. and perhaps implemented within the next 10 days to two weeks, reports Buster only from ESPN. Yep. Uh, I think homer, homers are down league-wide. Offense is probably down as well. well. This says uh, pitcher strikeout rates at an all-time high and batting averages at an all-time low. Yep. And we got like a no no every forty eight hours. So yeah, Snell almost had one the other night. Yep. Oh, that's yeah. That's that's the craziest part about it is for as, as many no hitters as we've got, none of them are elite like, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah, not even that. But then there's been like double digits that have gone as late as like you know last out of the eighth, right? Yeah, like yeah. There's there's <laughs> I'm, we've been close to having a lot more. And yeah, you're right. Like the Spencer t- Turnbulls, uh, the uh, yeah. What was it uh, in Baltimore means? It's not like a Scherzer no-no, you know? Like, no, no. Um, I, I mean, I just... I The only thing I can say about this is it's about goddamn time, you know? I I think mm. I heard um, John Paul Morosi speaking earlier this week, and he said something like, you know, we got to figure out a way to update offense. And I know in certain minor leagues they're talking about... This is me talking now. I know in certain minor leagues they're talking about lowering the mound again. JP suggested that maybe what they should do is try out in the minor leagues, just start everybody at a 1-1 count. And to me, I'm like, how about we don't try any of these, like, fundamental changes? I know they've lowered the mound before, but that was 50, 60 years ago. Like, let's just start with, you got to have two infielders on either side of second base. Yeah, yeah, it's the shift that's killing the sport. Start there and see yeah. what happens. You know? Exactly. 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 That's exactly it. And as my grandfather always says, why don't they teach these guys to hit the other way? And you know what? He's not wrong about that. I, I don't think he's wrong. I think it's so hard when these guys are throwing 100 miles an hour. That is. It is, too. But, I mean, like, if you're a pro hitter, I mean, come on. Put a ball in play. <laughs> That's, I mean, we could just say that about everything, though, right? Yeah. Hey, you're a pro hockey player. Put the puck in the net. Um, Austin Matthews you're, argument. You're right. uh <laughs> It's time to legislate against the shift. I, mean. I think you got to take the shift out. Uh, I don't kind of like the trap in hockey. Uh, you know, the New Jersey Devils were winning too many Stanley Cups. They had to uh, change that rule. Took the red line out, I, and and really, they just put the red line in because of the Oilers in the eighties. Yeah, right. The two line the pass. Two line the, pass. The Oilers yeah. were were a real issue, yeah. and but then the Devils that's why they cut back it, on. Yep. And they went okay, take it back out, yeah. and you know, watching that Leaf series, the, the seven hockey games I watched this year, I saw at least half a dozen two-line passes where people were just trying to hit home runs out of their own zone to a streaking forward. Um, so on the baseball front, like I've heard people say like, oh, infielders shouldn't be allowed in the outfield or whatever. And I'm like, no, I think I, I feel like that's actually been part of the game that when a big like masher of a hitter that's going to hit the ball so fucking hard, he might take your head off that you like line up pretty deep at your position. And sometimes that takes you into like shower, shallow right field. So I don't think we need to get rid of that. But shortstop, third base, you're on the left side. Second base, first base, you're on the right side. 
If you want to switch the sides, I don't like. I don't care. If you decide that for whatever reason you think your second baseman is more suited to play defense on the left side for a particular batter, then fine. But how many batters do we see now that are facing three guys on the side that they're supposed that they're going to pull the ball to? That that's that's the side they hit the ball to. Um, the argument that I I always find interesting, especially for the left-handers, is like just fucking bunt, dude. Like that, that third baseman is playing shortstop shading towards second base, bunt it down the third base line and walk to first. Um, but I, just, I don't think we need these radical ideas, but if we do this, if we actually enforce this shit with the pitchers, I remember watching a playoff game years ago and a manager came out and said, this guy's got shit inside his hat and they went and they found it and they kicked him out of the game. I don't remember his name. I wish I could remember that. That was like a pretty famous thing when it happened. But it's happening all the time now. Guys are like getting out of control. So cut that out. Get rid of the shift. And if that doesn't work, then start looking at other stuff. And I, these guys talk about like starting at 1-1 counts and all this other shit. I, I think batters shouldn't be allowed to call time. That's my That's my other one is like, Here's the deal. We're going to make a pitch clock and batters can't call time. So you get in the batter's box. You're not allowed out of the bat. You get in there and you get ready to fucking get pitched at and figure it out. We're not. If you think the pitcher's doing different timing, then like, yeah, that's part of his deal. He's got this much time. Figure it out. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. I, I think uh, I think there's a bit of a witch hunt. This uh, you know constant search for substances on baseball. I, I don't think there's. I think there's a lot of witches. No, <laughs> yeah, there is exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, absolutely. But I, I just I, I see it as a kind of a fruitless process. Um, that was the Donald Trump thing, right? He kept going witch hunt, and people were like, "There are so many witches, though." <laughs> yeah. I just you know I mean. I, I I think the intent is there, but uh, yeah, I'm just not sure it's going to work out. I, I mean, what are they going to slow down an already slow game by constantly walking to the mound and accusing the pitcher of cheating? I mean, how's that going to play out, right? The, now, and for the viewer at home, right? Like, how's this? So the story did make note of them being cognizant of that. And that I think part of the instruction for the umpire is that they should be doing it as the pitcher is like entering the field of play or leaving the field of play. So uh, okay. you're not, you're not going to like do it in the middle of an inning or some shit. Yeah. Yeah. I got uh, it. Because once he's out there in the middle of the goddamn, you know, once he's out there on the mound, presumably uh, he, he has nowhere to get shit from. So you just, not exactly. You know, he's out on an Island. Yeah. And uh, shout out to the great Dennis Eckersley because talking about all this reminds me about how he used to roll the ball in when they would ask to look at the ball. <laughs> Instead of throwing it in, he would roll it so the grass would, uh, I think, Take knock some off of some of the resin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, all right. There was a UFC fight night tonight. Uh, one of the fights didn't go. And I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's just not listed anymore. Anyways, Canceled like, because of COVID, you mean? 
they just said health issues. They weren't particularly specific about what. Yeah, was yeah, a middleweight bout between Tom Breeze and Antonio Arroyo was That's expected right. to open the main card, but it was canceled just before taking place as Breeze was dealing with an undisclosed medical issue. Yeah, so I. I I don't know what that's all about. So let's let's start there cuz I I said to my loving wife when we were watching it that you can't speculate cuz who knows maybe this guy has an ongoing condition that we know about. So Yeah. I mean there's there's a number of ways to get out of a fight. This is one of them, right? Yeah, I don't know, he's trying to get out. But the the part I'd said is if you set all that stuff to the side though, I just always think about weight cuts when this happens right because it's like oh so and so fainted in the back i'm like really you think he would have fainted if we didn't have him dehydrate himself for three days straight and then go back to normal not in just a single calorie yeah so i i know you and i have have talked about this at length but i just think it's worth noting like i would bet dollars to donuts the reason mm. we didn't have that fight tonight is because of some weight cut nonsense and side effects and yeah they really got they, they got to look at what they're doing there because it's yep. not smart no, I know. And, and like we've said before, it's only a matter of time. And I would love to be wrong about this, but I know I'm not. Um, it's going to take someone dying of a weight cut before uh, before they make a real change. I, I not Maybe not, God forbid, hopefully not dying, but uh, someone's going to end up in a coma is what's going to happen. Yeah. Now, whether they come out of that coma or not, that... Uh, but yeah, you, you get my drift. That's literally the path we're going on, and it's going to take something that serious. Uh, for Dana to step in would be my guess, right? Because we've seen it all, right? We've seen them collapsing on the scale. We've seen them. We've seen it all. So a couple things to talk about here, in, in my opinion. Uh, I, I know you didn't see all the fights. I didn't see all of them either. I, I'll just make note here of a couple things from the prelims. Um, Muslim Salikov. Mm-hmm. Look the, out! Uh, w. Look out for this guy. Yeah. Got his uh, hand raised against Francisco Trinaldo, who's not uh, not a joke. He ain't nobody. And eighteen and two now. I expect to see a number beside his name coming mm -hmm. into this next week, in what is probably the most stacked division. I mean, I guess lightweight maybe, but that welterweight with you know Leon Edwards is coming up. Stephen Thompson, Wonder Boy is a real dude. And and Colby's a good guy too, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, real good guy. Uh, Leon's fighting Nate Diaz next Saturday, I believe. I know, and and we'll talk about that in a sec here. I expect Leon to embarrass Nate Diaz. I think we're going to be having similar conversations about Nate Diaz that we had about Tony Ferguson um, yeah. a week or two ago. Yeah. Um, when you t when you take six months to a year to two years between every fight, at some point you're going to show up a little father timed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Ilir Latifi. Being yeah, yeah. I was I was gonna get ahead on that one. Uh, I didn't know he was fighting tonight, and I didn't know Tanner Bozer, the Canadian from Alberta, was fighting tonight. And I certainly didn't know they were fighting each other. Um, that is one that I would have normally had marked on my calendar because I'm I'm a fan of both. Um, Ilir Latifi's a, a cool case. He's been bouncing back between light heavyweight and heavyweight. What do you think of that fight? Uh. I, I thought it was an okay fight. I didn't think it was yeah. great. Yeah, Latifi's a wrestler. You know, it's he's just looking to take you down and keep you there. It's not overly exciting to watch him win a fight. Um, Latifi won by decision. Yep. Uh, that shit was a travesty. It oh, was, Bozer, Bozer should have got it. It was it like 
I, I didn't think it was close. The oh, okay. the comment from Reddit MMA was the judges for this fight were Stevie Wonder, Helen Keller, and Ray Charles. Yeah, yeah. Um, and their ancestors were all from Sweden. Right. Um, um, it, yeah, Bozer's got much better hands. Like, if that fight, and I'm hoping to watch it here afterwards, but if that fight was stand-up, uh, give me Bozer. But if it goes to the ground, I think Latifi's the guy. Latifi, I think, probably won the third because he got him on the ground for a good portion of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to argue that he won one of the, the first or second, I, I felt like was pretty disingenuous. It was on the feet for the, for the most part in those times. Um, and here's just a couple stats from the fight. Uh, total strikes, 84 out of 153 for Bozer, 51 out of 98 for Latifi. Significant strikes, though, 45 out of 105, and Latifi, 10 out of 38. So I get if you're a wrestler, but at some point, if you have a guy on the ground, you're supposed to do something with it. And if you got 10 significant fights, to, pardon me, 10 significant strikes in the whole fight and the other guy got 45 and you're going to tell me he won the fight. Mm. I don't know about that. Mm. Canadian bias. I, I want to own up to the Canadian bias, but I don't know yeah. about that. Yeah, I hear you. Um, yeah, Latifi is a guy that's been in there with Derek Lewis, uh, a lot of big names. Has a win over OSP. Um, supposed to be an incredibly, incredibly nice guy. So I've always rooted for him. But luckily for Bozer, with his career trajectory and his age and his kind of like still prospect status, this uh, this is, is as long as he goes out and gets his hand raised the next fight, he's going to be fine. It's true. Another L, though, like 19 and 8, it makes it hard for a guy like that. Yep. Um, yeah, especially coming off the Ar- Arlovsky loss. I forgot he lost that fight. That's yeah. It. Uh, Montana De La Rosa and Ariane Lipsky. Uh, De La Rosa won pretty convincingly, got her down, took control, uh, mashed her head in pretty good, and it was one of those where you're just kind of waiting for the ref to stop it, and they did. Uh, Gregory Rodriguez and Dusko Todorovic. Todorovic. Mm. Uh, I assume he's a Croat, is he? Yeah, uh, he's Serbian, so. close enough. Okay, yeah. The same same region, yeah. Um, just a little war there in the ninety. Yeah, uh, pretty good fight. I thought Rodriguez was in control most of the time. I think it might have been thirty twenty seven across the board, if memory serves me correctly. Um, he he just kind of controlled the fight. Todorovic, you you would have thought would like step up at some point. You were kind of always waiting for him to get into that next gear. He just didn't. It wasn't there. Um, Rodriguez was better, but also seems to understand that he's not good enough. Yet he talked about going to one FC for a bit in his post fight interview, which is weird. You don't usually see guys talking about going to another no. uh, league. This is a guy who came from, um, what is it, LFC? I think it is, uh, where he just won a fight two weeks ago, okay. and and so he's won he's won a couple fights now. But I think he correctly like he didn't dominate this guy. He just he won the fight. And I think he understands he has work to do because he should be, if you want to be an elite fighter, you need to be dominating guys like Todorovic, right? Um, uh, and he, he wasn't able to do that. Does not have a Wikipedia page for it's worth. Yeah, one of the one of the gray pictures because he's not technically on the UFC roster. Uh, Miguel Beza, and there's no way I'm getting this name, Santiago Ponzanibo. Um. Pozanibio, I think, but Pozanibio. yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, Beza dominated the first round. 
leg kicks. Uh, Pozanibio got a couple punches in, but really felt like uh, Baze's fight to lose. They mentioned on the broadcast in-game betting after the first round, you would have had to bet $1,100 to win 100 on Bezia. He looked that dom- dominant in the first round. Oh. Uh, the next two rounds, Ponzinibbio came out and showed him who his daddy is. Because <laughs> he just beat the shit out of the dude uh, for two consecutive rounds, really just piecing him up. Fundamentals were way better. I I think Beza, you you got to question why he didn't stick with that leg kick. Um, needed to you, you know you don't stop chopping down the tree after you take out a third of the side. You 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 got to keep chopping. Um, and, but he gave up on it. It probably started hurting him too, and and he didn't have the have the heart to keep going. So, um, I don't want to accuse him of not having heart. This went to a decision, and both guys at the end of the night. This was fight of the night, like. They, they were swinging. Guys were eating punches. But obviously, Bezier was the worst for wear. It was across the board 29-28. And I thought, uh, like, totally reasonable decision here. Now, you said you saw the last three fights? No, I only saw the main event. Okay. Because I was going to if you watch this, oof. Roman... Uh, Dolidze. Dolidze. I'll tell you... Between him and Giga Chikadze, if you see a Georgian flag bet on him in the UFC. Tell you what, though, man, I was re- I've never been so ready to take a nap in my life. Um, to the point that in the third round, uh, Staropoli, he was talking shit to him as he was like wrapped around him. He's like, oh, what are you going to do? And he's Staropoli's like, what are you talking about? You've hugged me for three rounds. Like, I don't know that that's exactly what the exchange was, but you could <laughs> tell that that was like. It was a real wrestling clinic in the sense that he wrapped himself around him, pushed him up against the cage, and then kneed him when he had the opportunities to knee him. But to say this was an entertaining fight would be the opposite of reality. Uh, it was awful to watch. And as Michael Bisping pointed out, it's like, yeah, you're going to get the win, but you're not going to get any fans. You're not going to do much to advance your rank, and no one thinks you're a great fighter after watching this. But he got the win. So the the opposite of fight in the night there. And uh, in the co-main event, Tybura and Harris. Now, Harris rocked Tybura in the first round, um, probably about two minutes in. And Tybura kind of fell back. You saw he was woozy. You thought the ref was going to get in there. He, I mean, the ref was moving to get in there if he ate another shot. Um, but Tybura really made uh, a frankly a veteran a smart move uh, you just grabbed him pinned him up against the cage caught his breath got his wits about him um and then push came to shove you know harris has no idea how to wrestle it's it's become real clear that walt harris has no idea what to do if a fight gets on the ground tybura put him on the ground you know got his back just smashed the shit out of his head got him all the way on his stomach and and the ref had to get in there and then the main event, I thought Sakai had a real good chance. I didn't see him do anything in the first round. And I, I said to my wife, I was like, hey, you know what? This is like a first round where it's a five-round fight. I don't think either of these guys are used to fighting five rounds. So they're both kind of just like treading water. And then all of a sudden at the end of the fifth there, Rosenstruck hits a jab to the temple and Sakai just goes down one hammer fist later. And we're not sure if Sakai has woken up yet. Uh, Rosenstruck moves on. You know, top 10 for sure. 
I don't know that he's in the conversation. Uh, yeah, he's he's a tough case because of how quick that Naganu fight went, right. and he's coming off a loss to uh, Cyril Gon, uh, of course, who has some business to take care of with uh, with Volkov, I believe, on June twenty six. So, do, so you, do you maybe put some... Rosenstruck in against Miocic? No, God, no, 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 no. no I'm just, I'm, like, Ste- I'm trying to think of what. Yeah, no, for, for Stipe, with what Stipe's done. There's only really two things for him to come back to, and that's the new the, the Naganu trilogy, um, running back that loss, and John Jones. If John Jones feels like fighting, I don't. I don't think this happens. But if Derek Lewis beats Naganu, do you think Miocic tries to fight Lewis? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely believe. I, but yeah, I, as much as I love uh, Derek Lewis, oh, I, I love him, and I want it to happen so bad. Yeah, for it the would guy. be a great story. It'd I would love story. it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, uh, Steve is coming for the belt. That's all really he's interested in. He, he, yeah. He's just adding on to legacy now, of arguably the goat of the heavyweight division yeah. and a surefire Hall of Famer. That's so. what they build the Cormier fight as: is deciding the greatest of all time. And yeah, exactly. He won and the he fight. Won. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. And uh so yeah, he's there is that money potential money fight with John Jones. John Jones at some point is going to have to and you can tell he's getting terrible advice. Um, I don't know if it's from his brothers or his manager or God knows who, but John Jones at some point is gonna have to put ink to paper here. Um, because before you know it, it's gonna be two years since the Dominic Reyes fight. Can I can I make a I, I, I don't know. I don't know how off-color this comment is. John Jones's problem is that he already put ink to paper. That, like, they have him under contract. Like, he signed a contract. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, this this is the part that we always, like, leave out of these discussions, right? We're like, oh, well, they should pay John Jones. I'm like, why? They signed him. They signed right. him to a deal. The deal's done already. John Jones yep. doesn't want to honor his deal. Yep, now, exactly. Now, now, I get it. Like, let's be real fucking clear here. Those UFC deals are like exploitive. Mm-hmm. They, you know, the the amount of money they're paying these guys versus what they're worth. John Jones mm-hmm. should be making thirty million dollars a fight. Like mm-hmm. that, John Jones heavyweight fight. He's like, I'm worth thirty million dollars. He, you put that fight in Vegas in uh, the Raiders Stadium, Allegiant or whatever it is. Like, they sell that place out. They they do they do seventy thousand <sighs> people at one hundred twenty bucks a pop. I. The the problem with John Jones though is he doesn't have a history of selling venues out. I think it might happen. I, I like I, well that's the thing is now the problem was nobody ever bought the fact that he could be beat, so they just didn't buy the pay per view or they didn't tune in. But now that we're thinking, okay, this guy could be human. Yeah. Yeah. Now that he's up in you know Father Time and you know so there, I I shouldn't say that because his next couple fights could finally make him some money but john has never realized that he doesn't exactly see if you ask john jones he thinks he brings in conor mcgregor numbers and that's just not the case yep and so the the john like the smartest thing john jones could do is go all right tell you what then i'm going back to light heavyweight have me fight whoever you want Mm -hmm. i've got two Mm -hmm. fights left on my deal i'm gonna do my two fights and then we can negotiate yeah because if you say no to this fight, I'll go fight Jake Paul. 
right? He'll have yep. leverage to go do other things because right now the mm -hmm. UFC can say, no, you can't, you can't do that. No. We have exactly. your contract. Exactly. If you want the power to do that, you did, you had that power when you weren't signed. And yep. you, you took whatever money's come since then, and the sport's only grown. And so I understand that you want a bigger piece of the pie too. But the, the part of the economics that people need to understand as well is that UFC, does it doesn't change their bottom line at all how many pay-per-views they sell. ESPN is giving them the same amount of money no matter what. All it yep. does is increase the revenue that ESPN gets. But what is UFC? Why is UFC going to pay more to increase ESPN revenue? Unless ESPN wants to roll out and say like, all right, John, we'll give you $10 million. But I don't think they're going to do that. ESPN saying we already gave you guys $2 billion. So... Like, John's just coming at this from fucking La La Land. I'm sorry if I've been on a rant here. I didn't, it, it, this is a thing that's been annoying me the more I hear people talk about it. Like, he is under contract. People talk about, like, oh, we can't get him to sign. He's under contract. He is yeah. signed. What they're mm -hmm. negotiating is like a good faith, goodwill, being good guys situation. But if mm -hmm. they wanted to play hardball, they could just say, retire. You, you, you're only owed well, a million for this fight. If you don't want to do yeah. that, then retire. Yeah, and and Dana's come out, and John Jones tried to play chess with Dana in the press. Didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, very seldom does for anyone who's trying to take on Dana White in the press. I but... think he was playing checkers, really. Yeah, exactly, right? And the thing is, is Dana White's come out and said, John Jones doesn't need to fight again if he doesn't want to fight. Like, the UFC is moving on. The UFC doesn't need John Jones. It doesn't. The, the, the reason this whole John Jones thing will probably be studied as a case study 10, 20, 30 years from now is because it's going to be don't give the belt back 101. John's little power that he had was wrapped in that light heavyweight championship yeah. belt, and he gave it back. There's some guys that train their whole life, fight their whole life for that goddamn strap, and John Jones just handed it back like it didn't mean anything. And I'll tell you, you want to bet he regrets that now? That's a real strong point. Like, I, I think Blahovitz I, I don't know that he could have beat John Jones. It's hard to say. Yeah, well, we might never know, right? Like, that's kind of the shame about that. Yeah. All right, let's talk about UFC, pardon me, UFC 263. Well, I, I'll i tell you what, I'll leave it up to you. Do, or, do we want to do a show this week and do a full preview show on this? Or you want to try to go through it now and leave other stuff until the next time we record? Uh, it's up to you, man. Um Totally your call. If my schedule permits it, I certainly will uh, be game. If I'm not at work or coaching football or playing softball, I'm does, here. Does it look like you're doing those things on Thursday right now? Yeah, well, until the football season ends, we're uh, we're down at Rocky Stone until 10.30, Tuesdays and Thursday nights. Okay. Okay, so let's do it now. Um, 2.63, Saturday night. Uh I'll tell you what, I, we've we've talked about this before. It is my favorite thing. I'm glad they did it again. Like tonight, there were a total of uh, like a dozen, maybe a dozen fights. Um, but UFC 263 in Arizona in front of fans, uh, there are going to be 14 fights live, including early prelims. Um, I'm not usually one to pimp early prelims, but Chase Hooper is going to be out there. Yep. He had a mission specialist. He had a real interesting last fight where it looked like he was losing for three rounds and then with about two and a half minutes left in the third round, got an armbar on a guy and, and snuck out a win. Um 
and the audio that came out of that afterwards was actually real interesting with Bruce Buffer just being like, oh, it's so great to watch you just flow in there. Like, just Buffer just, like, drooling over the guy. Um, what was that, Hooper's last fight? Yeah, yeah. Yikes. Um, I, I, I think that's a fight worth watching. Like, Steven Peterson's, like, kind of journeyman, 18 and 9. You know, big boy, but not, not as big as Hooper. But Hooper's, like, lanky. Hooper's got, like, the Sean O'Malley kind of body in a way. Um. I think that's worth checking out. On the prelims, not a lot that jumps out to me. You know, Lauren Murphy, Joanne Calderwood, mm-hmm. I think yeah, is, I'll, is a fight. I'll, I'll be rooting for Calderwood big in that, and I've talked about it on the show. She was uh, next up to fight the bullet, and then COVID happened, and she just, you know, she couldn't afford to pull a Francis Nagano and just sit on the sidelines as the number one contender, so she went out and took a fight. She lost the fight. And never got that shot at bullet, so she's working her way back uh, out of Scotland. Yeah. Um, and then the first prelim, uh, Movsar Ivalov. I'm so bad with these names. I'm very sorry. Versus Hakeem Dawadu. Hakeem Dawadu mm. just stands out to me because this is a guy who fights. Like <laughs> this dude fights. Yeah, he's um, Canadian. I see. Sure. Yeah. Must uh, be Canadian by way of Nigeria. I assume. Um, so I, I, I would encourage yeah. you to watch all of that. And then we go to the main Niger- Sorry ahead. to cut you off. Nigerian mother, Jamaican father. Interesting. Okay. Born in Calgary. I love this country. We just yeah. doing all kinds of wild shit out here. Exactly. Um, His the, mother was 14. So. The main card, I think, has five legitimate fights and when i say legitimate fights it doesn't mean i think all of them are competitive frankly i think leon edwards and nate diaz is embarrassing for the sport a little Mm. like i think we're gonna look at it afterwards and be like why do we send nate diaz out there um i also thought there was no way the la lakers would lose so like let's keep that in mind right but Mm. um yeah i thought the refs would have found a way (laughs) right um, and the, w- when you look at the co-main, like Figueroa and Moreno rematch is compelling that like yeah. that, that shit is legitimately compelling. And also I don't think Moreno has a chance. I, I no, think Figueroa is going to have a long title reign. I feel it. Yeah. I, I think Figueroa had a bad night and that's not going to yeah. happen again in front of no. fans. We were talking about weight cuts earlier. He has some pretty intense weight cuts that yep. leave him pretty drained because he's a big dude. Well, both of those um, guys fought again after three weeks. These they've got a full camp this time. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Nah, I'm I'm pumped. Uh, there was one fight we didn't mention on the prelim that I'm looking forward to. Drew Dober. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know as much about the guy he's fighting in Brad Riddell, but Drew Dober is on a tear of late, and he did lose that last one to Islam Makachev, but. I mean, a lot of guys lose to Islam Akachev. Uh If Dober can get his hand raised here, that will be uh, five out of the last six. Lost to Benny Dariush, too, so, I mean, no sweat there. Yeah. But uh, good things are going Drew Dober's way if he can get his hand raised against Brad Riddell. I'll tell you, I often think of these cards in um... – and kind of in a business sense, right? Like if you were if you were trying to market the fights and you had an elite knowledge of how you think the fight's going to go, which you would expect that the UFC has, right? You would think that they have people on staff who 
they're not they're not gonna be 100 percent of the time they're not gonna be sure all the time but like they probably have some clue of how they think things are gonna turn out um even if it's just the style of the fight when we look at fights like this the dober fight you talk about anything that headlines the prelims on a pay-per-view i know that they think this shit's a banger because if you're trying to market the product like most people who buy pay-per-views for anything for wrestling for boxing for ufc or whatever do it that night well not only do it that do it 10 minutes before the thing starts right no one's mm. i like i've paid for a lot of these things maybe too many of these things over the last you know year and a half especially during covid not once have i ordered it at 12 30 in the afternoon i never go to my tv and just like get it out of the way as as yeah. joannick likes to say you know mm -hmm. it's 7 45 7 50 or 8 45 8 50 9 45 9 50 in the case of ufc like is a last minute purchase almost always and mm -hmm. so anyone that's on the fence or people like let's say you had a few too many drinks or whatever and you're sitting there watching these prelims mm. they want you to see someone get knocked the fuck out so that you're like yeah oh, i want to watch more of that mm. <laughs> holy shit did you see that let's no we got to get the pay-per-view they're saying that's gonna happen again you know yeah, yeah. so I, i'm just saying i i like it and listeners like you should like it too if we've got the combination of headlining the prelim card and Nick Smart's here saying, I'm interested in seeing this fight. I tell you what, dude, you got me excited. Yeah, absolutely. And I will tell you one thing, just looking at this card from a bird's eye view, it is going to do very well. Pay-per-view numbers in Europe between Joanne Calderwood and Paul Craig out of Scotland, Leon Edwards out of England and Vittori, out of Italy, I mean, Vittori alone in Italy is going to sort of sell out like every second household, right? So, I, um, I think the I'm only sure... problem they have is it's like fucking 3 a.m. out there, right? It is. That is a problem. But uh, UK fight fans will set their alarms. I know that. Oh, yeah. So th those Scotland numbers will be there. Yep. And once you get as far east as, say, Italy, it's almost like the point of no return where it's just turning into an early morning for them yeah. instead of a late oh, yeah. night. It's you like know part I mean? of the party for sure. Exactly. Sure. Right. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think this guy is going to do some real good European numbers. Yeah. Um, and we, we didn't even really mention the Izzy Vittori fight. Um, of course this is a rematch. Uh, before I started following the sport, these two had fought and, Sounds like Vittori, since Izzy's been in the UFC, has given Izzy. I mean, I think one judge had that fight for Vittori, if I remember correctly. So, um, I mean, Vittori yeah. is insistent that he won the fight, but I, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you saw that interview tonight. That was a clusterfuck. I'm kind of surprised they even aired it, but like, you know, Vittori's argument is I took you down, and Adesanya's like, right, but what did you do when you got me down? Mm -hmm. um and, and so Split I hope, decision yeah we'll see how it goes i yeah i think adesanya is getting a little out of control on the ego especially for a guy who lost his last fight and didn't look particularly good doing it yeah why did i miss something what's he been saying well just in the interview tonight it was it was just a okay. lot of like uh, i'm gonna destroy you and da, 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 you know just like typical adesanya stuff yeah um 
Yeah, it's all cute and fun and games when you're winning, but when you start losing, it doesn't I look know. like And good. I actually, I, I have a lot of respect for the guy. I think he's like a real elite fighter, but I just... He's a superstar. When I hear guys talk like that, I just work because I'm like, man, it takes so much work to be an elite fighter and you got to do it day in, day out. And I feel like if you start getting the money and the accolades and all this other shit, like... And, and you're talking all this shit. You're not even wearing shirts and in interviews anymore. Like, are you really putting in the work, man? And maybe he is. Maybe he is. But I know he is. And, and we'll see. Like, I, if I had to pick a winner, I'm picking Adesanya. You know, I'm not like, don't, don't get me wrong here. I'm not trying to fucking uh, make it sound like this is going to be super duper close. Um. But but there's yeah it's definitely questions. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm picking Izzy Adesanya to win. Yeah. Um, but I don't think this is gonna be the last we've heard of Marvin Vittori. I think he takes this loss and he gets things turned around and we hear we hear from him again soon. Adesanya minus two ninety five. Oh, this is on Sports Interaction. You get Vittori for plus two fifteen. That's that's I'll tell you what, man, it's there. There's an argument to be made. Like when I say all the things I just said, where it's like, you got to worry about the headspace of this guy. Plus two fifteen is not the worst number um, for a guy who's 17 and four going up against someone who just took their first L didn't look like they were in great shape for it. Admittedly mm-hmm. at a weight division above. Um, but you know who knows how much work he's putting in uh real interest nate, nate diaz a heavy underdog on sports interaction i'm saying uh i did not look at that yeah got here leon edwards only paying a, a buck 22 yeah leon edwards minus 465 mm-hmm. which is interesting because that's like you know i've said to you like you can have feelings about these fights and shit but like sometimes there's it just takes a turn where I'm like, well, Nate Diaz, maybe he brings him into deep water in four and five, and who the hell knows what happens. And at plus 300, might be worth a swing. Um, with that said, I feel like a lot of people are going to feel that way, and by the time the fight rolls around, you're probably going to be, be able to get a better number, and I'm just going to wait for that. Uh, scroll, to, scroll down a little deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, you see the odds there for UFC 264, Poirier McGregor? Yeah. I'm surprised Poirier is paying what he's paying. Did, did people did did SI not see those leg kicks? Like like I don't you know I I'm not I'm not saying Connor's gonna go in there and get leg kicked the fuck again. But so my my you know, understanding like, of the prevailing wisdom right now is that McGregor did not train particularly hard uh, for yeah. the last yeah fight. he went to uh, Portugal and yeah. and it was more of a vacation than a training regimen yeah. and people seem to think that he's taking this fight more seriously now well, he better be I, do do i think that makes sense for him being the fucking favorite no, no. <laughs> you know but not after that loss yeah no. um, because it could be a father time thing too right as uh i forget the famous fighter that said it i think i gave a shout out to him there a couple of weeks ago but it's hard to get up and go run, you know, eight miles when you're sleeping in silk pajamas with silk sheets. Right? And, and that's it, right? Like that's it, McGregor's on got that proper twelve. Ever since that Mayweather fight, 
what is yeah he's, it, it was all it was a lifestyle changer yeah like he was already rich but then he was yeah but there's he's... levels there, like there's <laughs> exactly. levels of rich yeah. right like yeah. 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 neither you nor i are rich yeah. um and f- like far from it i'd say yeah bezos will tell you all about that one yeah but like we, shit. we we could get rich yeah. and we still wouldn't like we would have been that first connor level of rich the like pre mayweather yeah. fight rich yeah. and then he has the mayweather fight and then he's oh shit okay he bumped up yeah. two more levels there's a difference yeah. between having a net worth of six million and a net worth of like 125 million Yep. And then you fucking sell your whiskey company too, and all of a sudden your net worth is two hundred fifty million. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, uh, I agree completely. And then we're gonna say go get punched in the head. Th- these are people who like I and I mean this very seriously. Like you hit that level, and people don't disagree with you. Forget punching you in the fucking face. No, no exactly. No yeah. one will say to your face that you're wrong no. about something. No, that's true. So. Um. Also on this fight, I, I I'd be remiss if we didn't note that, you know, they bring Leon Edwards back to fight Nate Diaz, but also put Bilal Muhammad on the on the card. I, yep. I I'm a little. Maybe am I. Uh, I I feel a little icky about this because I'm like, okay, well, if Muhammad wins his fight and Edwards win his fight. Does that mean that we get a rematch between those two guys? And I'm pretty no, sure the that's... answer to that's going to be no. No, it's yeah. if that if they were going to run that one back, it would have been this this pair in this matchup. Well, I think they want someone to fight Diaz. Yep. Right. Like, well, yeah, they, exactly. They, they, like Diaz, they think draws money. I'm sure. Exactly. Yeah. Like, what do you do? That's the other thing with Connor is like, if Connor loses the Poirier match, then he has a decision to make. Does he want to hang around and be a gatekeeper and make a ton of money with, cause there's still a bunch of money fights left for Connor. Just like with George Masvidal, he doesn't have to be a title contender anymore. He still has a bunch of money fights there. There's a lot of stuff with Colby. There's a, the three piece in a soda with Leon. They have they still have to sort out that backstage business, right? And so the same thing is with Nate. So you have these Connors, you have these Masvidals, and and Nate Diaz, where Dana knows how much money he can make with Nate Diaz, but he also knows that he's not going to be fighting for a title anytime soon, if ever again. And you got to get, as, you know, Chael Sonnen would say, sometimes guys are so dangerous, you have a responsibility to put guys in there that can defend themselves, right? Um, the, Francis Nagano was a good example. Uh, when he was sitting on the sidelines waiting for Stipe and DC to sell their business, you can't just put Francis in there with a number five, number six, you know what I mean? Like someone's going to get hurt. And I'm not saying Nate Diaz is going to hurt someone, but you have to have a Leon Edwards to put in there with him. I mean, in some ways, you need a Leon Edwards in there to put him down. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, that's how this sport works, right? I so I wonder... everything you bring in there on any given night is there to be taken by the other guy, right? I I wonder just because it kind of came up here, like. If McGregor loses that fight and doesn't retire, like what's the you, you can't have him headlining a fucking pay per view, can you? He's the number five rank right now, just above Tony Ferguson. LOL. Yeah, the, there's no going back to fight nights, right? Like, there's no yeah. putting that two back in the toothpaste. So, yeah, it's 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 then up to Connor, right? Like, what is your bank statement? What? Do you ultimately want your bang statement to be? Um, how's your quality of life? What 
do you ultimately want your quality of life to be? You know, like the very serious look yourself in the mirror questions. And, the and one... as, as many people will say, why are we here? Where are we going from here? The, just the one thing that I would say that like maybe we you and I specifically don't give enough credit to sometimes is that like some of these guys just want to fucking fight. Yeah, like it's the adrenaline junkie yeah. addict of it, well, and yeah, and the the adrenaline for sure. But like, you know, I've I've said this for a long time to people, and and you know, I I'm in Toronto. I'm, I'm sure there's some hoity-toity folks out in Moncton as well. Mm. But like, you know, you run into people, and and they're like, you watch UFC, like, oh, oh my, oh my goodness, like, yeah, yeah. that <laughs> exactly. kind of violence. Why do you? How could you endure? You know, and mm. and my thing is like. Dude, the, a lot of these guys, not all of them, I wouldn't even say half, but a lot of these, the fucking Masvidals, Connor before he had all the money, you know? Yeah. These guys were yep. going to fight. Yep. It Now, yep. if it's in a bar, if it's on the street, or if it's yep. in a ring, yep. I want, I'd rather it be in the ring. Yeah, I, better be sanctioned yeah. by the under the unified rules and, you know. With a referee and a doctor and, and mouth yep. guards. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Right? But... If if none of this shit existed, you think these guys wouldn't fight? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Maz. Enough said by just mentioning George Masvidal's name. I mean, the guy was on, the guy was on YouTube videos before the site YouTube existed. You yeah. know, like, yeah. So, you know, when we talk about a guy like McGregor, we talk about the money, and like that's, I I truly believe all those things. You might not train as hard as you used to. You might not be at the level you were at before, but you might still have two hundred million dollars and want to fucking fight. And if if he still got that, then it's probably like Nate Diaz shit, where they're like, all right, well you're the third fight on this pay per view now, and yeah. you're a name and. Hopefully you answer your phone every six and, months and yeah. we'll have someone we'll try to have something worthwhile interesting for you to do. Yeah. yeah. But there's also a world where he's like, no, nah, man, I got two hundred million dollars. Exactly. Turns and out I it's think, a lot more fun not fighting. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I think I, I think that will happen. And as many say, you can't have your comeback fight until you retire. Right. So, you know. 80% of these guys retire knowing that they're still going to have at least one more fight. So what we could see happen with Connor if he loses to Poirier yeah. is to give the emotional in-ring reaction. You know, I think I'm done. My heart's on it, et cetera, et cetera. And then six months goes by and we're getting Masvidal McGregor for the, the comeback fight. Right? Yeah, so. that's, that's a real strong point because the move then – I wouldn't be surprised if it's already been talked about with Dana and other people or, or like with his team or whatever is that. Yeah. It, if you want another headline check, then what you do is you, ret you know, you retire in quotation marks mm -hmm. and so then we can have a the year comeback. later. Yeah. We can have the comeback yeah. for sure. The marketing's take care of itself. Everything's built in. Yeah. The fans have seen it, done it. They buy it. They understand it. And the other thing, too, is we're not really addressing the pink elephant in the room is Mayweather McGregor kind of gave birth. Like Jake Paul should send texts and DMs to Connor very late at night thanking him for paving the way and making what he does now possible. Because Mayweather McGregor started this whole circus act of fights in my books. Yep. And if, if McGregor wants 
more of those on the back end. Like if McGregor wants a Jake Paul fight, if he wants a Logan Paul fight, if he wants a fucking, you know, Tyson freak show fight, if he wants a De La Hoya. I mean, we didn't even touch on De La Hoya nonsense yet. I mean, that whole GSP thing. But um, yeah, if Connor wants it, there's going to be a big market for his services. They'll, They'll play Foggy Doo and they'll have him come out and they'll do a good night of business. And we all know that. So, I guess we got to talk about it. Um, tomorrow night, uh, tonight, if you're listening to this or, uh, you know, the day it comes out, mm. we're going to see oof, uh, Jake Paul. Do I have the right? Paul Logan, Logan Paul. Logan the, Paul. The, I, think the, he, I think he's the older brother, but in my books, he's the lesser brother because the, we've seen his brother Jake compete more. Well, and the brother that lost to KSI, I think. Yeah. In, yeah, yeah, I believe so. And uh, I don't know who KSI is. So, I, yeah, I only bad. know it because I watched it on, on The Zone because yeah. it was part of my thing. Um, you know, these guys, like. And, he, and can I just add, he's fighting arguably the unofficial greatest to ever do it. So, yeah. with 40 like, record wise. Yeah, yeah, like you couldn't you couldn't find a more polar opposite match record-wise and I mean it's looking weight-wise too. Yeah. I'll give my opinion real quick and it's not very complicated. I think Logan can knock him out if he touches him. I don't think he's going to be able to touch Floyd. I, yeah. I think Floyd's going to rob the bank and then I don't think he's going to be there for when the cops get there. So I think he's he's going to get in and get out. Yeah, and I, and don't I, think, I, I don't I don't Logan's, think Floyd even like I don't think he has enough power to knock out this guy. No, but he's just gonna but piece gonna him up for like yep. six rounds point or whatever they're yep. doing. Just yeah, yep. he's gonna get in there and point him, yep. out point him, and then when Logan tries to find him, he's not gonna be there anymore. No chance. It's gonna be the difference between boxers and fucking idiot fighters. Exactly. Yeah. How am I supposed to buy the fact that guys Floyd's size and speed couldn't touch him? We're now gonna put in this amateur who's. 30 pounds heavier than these guys and we know slower than these guys and we're I'm supposed to buy the fact that he's going to be able to touch Floyd. Yeah. The, the best... only thing the only thing that could happen is if Father Time crept up and we, we're just not aware yet. The, the best point I heard this week about the fight was from Garrett on the Wrestling Observer podcast where he said like they limited Floyd to 160 pounds mm-hmm. and what they should have done is made him get to 170 pounds yes yeah yeah right that that yeah. was the <laughs> yeah. that was the only way you might have a chance yeah. you don't want him lighter no. you want him putting on weight slowing down mm-hmm. getting bigger yeah. um i mean it's just no chance there's no, no chance it's not. and it's i not. i'd bet you he barely trained for this fight and he's gonna go out there and win every single round yep but I will say too, though, barely training for Floyd is still training like every That's, day yeah, because, like, leading up to the Pacquiao, leading to the De La Hoya, the Sugar Shane Mosley fights. I mean, the guy doesn't drink. First of all, he's a teetotaler. He eats very well. <laughs> he gambles like a lunatic, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His vice, his vices <laughs> lay <boy>. elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, he's got vices, and, and he doesn't. He hits women. So let's he do- be real yeah, clear yeah. about that too. And he doesn't tweet out the losing tickets, which is very convenient. Right. As, well, he only tweets very out Very few do. Very few do. You uh, and I have to own our losses because we talk about them here. Yes. Yeah, but yeah. but guys like Floyd, yeah, yeah. yeah only only uh, show the ticket once over. Yeah. Um, the Woodley Paul fight was announced this week. It was 
Woodley's sounds, commentary it, seem to suggest that he takes it as his responsibility for everybody in the fight game to yep. end this dude. And his good buddy, Ben Askren. So the marketing is built in there. I, I do like how many stories they can tell. You know, it's the retribution. It's the revenge. Woodley's going to avenge his bro- his buddy's loss and Ben Askren. Um, I find it interesting that the Jake Paul camp has supposedly demanded that there be a rematch clause that if Woodley gets the jump on him, Paul has the right for first refusal to say, Hey, I either want right back in there or I didn't like how that felt. I want nothing fucking ever to do with this guy ever again. Um, the Woodley camp has spun that as saying, Paul is scared he's going to lose, but someone had a good point and said, this guy's already put ink to paper willingly saying he's going to fight him. How can you call him scared? Like he's already said, yes, let's fight. You're going to call him scared to fight when he's already officially said, yeah, let's do it. Well, here it's actually really interesting. You say that because it's kind of a counterpoint to a thing I was going to say about this whole thing. Um, I actually have a few points here. Number one, you know, they talked about doing 1.5 million views or buys rather for that last fight that he did against Askarin. Yeah, that's a lot. I no chance. No, just they, no they, chance. They're, they're not showing any proof. Yeah, they're, they're not releasing any numbers. They're not showing any proof. They're, it's all laws. And here's the thing. Like, I it, this isn't like a weird flex, but like just being straight up, like I'm one of the people who buys these, like I buy UFC pay-per-views. I buy AEW pay-per-views. My wife has commented to me more than once that our cable bill is too damn high because <laughs> I buy shitty because fights. every fucking month there is at least one pay-per-view on it. And often two that are $65, $50, mm. you know? Yeah. So like I will pay for this shit. Like, just straight up, I streamed that shit illegally. Like, yeah. I, I th- there was no way I was paying for, for Jake Paul, Ben Askren. I, oh, I fucking God, no. found some weird-ass stream and, and used that. Same thing for the Tyson fight. And so, when these guys come out and are like, we did 1.5 million buys, I'm like, no, UFC does 700,000. Yeah. On a on a platform that a lot of people already have, like they don't even do a million for their biggest fight of the year. Seven hundred's no, a good number. Yeah. And by the way, I'm not shit talking that seven like seven hundred thousand buys at sixty five bucks a pop. Yeah, <laughs> like that's that's fucking money, bro. Yep. You know, it's fifty million dollars, forty five, fifty million dollars. Um. So nothing to shake a stick at. I'm I'm, I'm not shit talking them. Now I think. Triller is interesting because I I really do think, um, you know, my wife's a therapist. They talk a lot about dialectics, the idea that two things can be true at once, even if they seem somewhat oppositional. And and I think I have to use dialectics in this part where in one on one side. I can hold to be true that I think they actually have a really good idea of having fights with like quasi celebrity people. And throwing in a bunch of concert stuff. And we've all kind of got used to COVID where nobody's in the same place. But, like, if you're young and you like Justin Bieber or whoever the fuck, 
and or Pete Davidson and you have a bunch of friends over and it's half a concert, half fights and everybody's just kind of drinking and having a good time. I think it's actually like a decent model. I don't I like I don't think fundam there are f some people out there that are like Triller is everything that is wrong with the world and must be destroyed. I actually think it's like a pretty smart business model and a, and a a good idea. Um and I also fucking as a fight fan hate it. Like I just hate it so much. Right? Is a good idea for people who are not me. Yeah, I, they, I like yeah. watching UFC where they put on a fight and then that fight ends and another fight starts. Yeah, yeah not know? a concert. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, it's it's a good model to keep the casual engaged. It's kind of like the Super Bowl halftime show, you know, like it's yeah. not for the football fan. It's more just to keep everyone else kind of and not, and you so know, in this in this kind of marketing in this kind of like show dates back to when people used to crowd around one family tv and there was one remote right so yeah. it's it's arcane thinking really yeah um but the the piece you were saying about the rematch you know what i was going to say about this fight is that this is going to work and this will probably make money they're not doing 1.5 million buys but they'll probably you know they'll probably do half a million they'll probably do yeah. 500,000 buys yeah, they might have they might have 1.5 million people steal it. Yeah, they'll have 1.5 million people steal it and 500,000 buys. And but but good, the good night of business. The 500. Well, what you do like huh. like guys like you know, dum dums. Go ahead and get some goddamn sponsors, and that way it doesn't matter if they're stealing the fight or paying for the fight. You got some corporate sponsors out there who are just happy that their name's getting read to 2 million people. Like, there's your money. Do that. And take the money from the 500,000 people that are dumb enough to pay for it. But if you think you got a million and a half people stealing it, just get some fucking sponsors, guys. Um, what, what I was going to say on the Woodley front was, this is good and like for... Uh, Jake Paul. Jake Paul's the one that's doing this, or Logan. See, I can't keep him. Can't keep track. Woodley's fight. Woodley is signed to fight Jake Paul. Jake. Okay. Yeah. This Jake Paul I mean, shit's gonna work up until someone knocks him the fuck out. Yeah, and we all know that's coming, right? Like, yeah. He's there's no more out of shape post surgery Ben Askrens in his future. It's just up and up from here. And if he somehow gets to jump on Woodley, he's getting a, an absolute killer next. So my my thinking is that that rematch clause is them understanding that that like hey this golden goose actually dies if he mm -hmm. gets his ass kicked. Yeah. And so what we need is an ability to at least get a double dip on it. Yeah. If that's going to if if it's over that's cool but let's dip into that fucking ink twice if mm -hmm. if that's what it's going to look like. Absolutely. I am seeing that the first prelim fight of the night on tomorrow night on the Logan Paul Mayweather card is indeed Chad Ochocinco Johnson. Oh my God. Fighting a guy who has a history not only in MMA, but bare knuckle FC, a guy named Brian Maxwell, who I've obviously never heard of, but the fact that he's fought in bare knuckle FC and Chad Johnson's going, going to go in there and fight him props to Ocho Cinco. I know it was hopeful that it was supposed to be Adam Pac-Man Jones, 
against his former that. against his former Bengal teammate Chad Johnson. But I guess uh, Pac-Man Jones had uh, other things to do tomorrow night. So we'll see what Chad Johnson does. Um, other than that, it's only Badu Jack that I've heard of. He fought on the Jake Paul Ben Askren card, I believe. Or I think actually, sorry, it was the Nate Robinson Jake Paul card. So it would have been the Tyson Roy Jones Jr. card. But anyway, Badu Jack back to do business with Trilla. Um, and again, like I got no problem with people making money. It's and mm. and this is the thing. Like what? There's like three fights, four fights on that card. Yeah, three fights, and then the uh, Mayweather Paul fight. Yeah, like what are you know? I can't. I just said to you, I'm looking forward to UFC 263, where there will be 14 fights. Yeah, and these guys want to give me four. It's just not. Yeah, God knows, and for forty nine ninety nine US, ooh, Showtime yeah. pay per view. I paid I paid fifty dollars Canadian for the AEW pay per view last week, and that had eight matches on it. I, I I get wrestling's not the same, but like, you know, those were eight good wrestling matches. That was four hours of entertainment. That was mostly physicality. Um, I I bet you if you buy this pay per view, you're gonna get what half an hour. 45 minutes of actual boxing like it's yeah and two hours of music yeah uh nick smart anything you want to talk about before we go this week um just to update the julio jones situation as we all know it's just a matter of when not if the falcons find a taker for her services um espn's ben uh sorry jeremy fowler not Benny Fowler, the NFL receiver, reports Julio Jones wants to play for a quote-unquote big-armed quarterback who can deliver the deep ball. Uh, breaking news, every receiver wants to play <laughs> with that type of quarterback. Um, but yeah, supposedly the reading of the tea leaves is that puts Seattle with Russell Wilson now in the pilot's chair over the Ryan, Hill, Ryan Tannehill-led Titans. If uh, Julio is serious about that, I spoke last week about how there was, I think, six teams, one of which is the Chiefs that just flat out can't make the math work. I don't know if the Packers are on that list, but if the Packers are somehow not on that list and they can make this math work, I can't think of a better way to appease Aaron Rodgers than to give him a new toy in Julio Jones. And if I'm Julio Jones and I'm putting that quote out, I don't know who fits the bill better than Aaron Rodgers as a big arm quarterback who can deliver the deep ball. I think that's a a marriage made in heaven. If they can somehow pull it off. I know Julio was seen sporting a a Cowboys shirt and just the thought, I know Terrence Gallup is still there, but just the thought of Amari Cooper, Julio Jones and Ceedee lamb in three, uh, three wideout sets is a, a scary notion. I don't see that coming to fruition, though. I, I don't see Julio ending up a cowboy. Um, do you have anything to say about what's going on here? Where would, where do you think he's going to land? Where do you want to see him land? I mean, uh, my main thought on Julio here, just around the quote that you just gave me, is that like, dude, you're old, and like the deep ball. Nah. That's no, that's not. I, I sorry, but like, how many thirty-two year olds are like they're deep ball specialists? Um, no, I got it. 
I and Atlanta's not looking to get rid of him because of his age, though. Just his contract. No, no. And, uh, God can still ball. And the dude's an elite receiver, but like his eliteness isn't running in a straight line. His eliteness is being big and physical and being a great route runner. Yeah. Um, and winning 50-50s. Like that's he's he's an elite fifty fifty guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he can still beat you deep. I think he beat a lot of guys deep. I don't think he's like Tyreek Hill. No, I, I, and I, we talked about Seattle. I'd rather have DK Metcalf for a deep ball than, you know, Julio Jones. Um, where does he end up? Yeah, it's, it's. I think it's too hard to say. I mean, it, the the problem is, I think Seattle's a great guess just because they've been willing to part with draft picks. And it's sounding like it's only going to take a second rounder now, right? Yeah. I mean, there was a report that came out a week ago that was like, oh, they have an offer for a first rounder. Like, that's a lie because they would have taken it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, I don't I don't believe for a second that that's a, a real thing that's happening here. I think you're absolutely right about uh, Pete Carroll's um, willingness uh, to go all in, right? I mean, the Jamal Adams trade, I guess the only question would be, do they have anything left in the – I mean, how much – more do they want to sacrifice draft capital but yeah that's an all-in move and i'd like to see it yep i think he can help out a lot of people uh any other pieces we missed Hmm. uh seattle for some reason paid their punter 16 million dollars this week did that really happen i would give you 50 Sorry, what was that? I said that. Did that really happen? Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. It is. Um, As my cat uh, is very hungry. I uh, I give you 50 guesses to guess his name, but you'd probably need 60. Anyway, the guy's name is Michael Dixon. Um, yeah, good no for chance. him. 25 yeah, get paid, years man. old. Get paid, bro. Led the NFL with 32 punts inside the 20 last season. How many so. years? Uh, Four-year deal. mil max value of 16 mil wild. Yeah. Highest. He's now the second highest paid punter behind Johnny Hecker. Um, But yeah, it's it's, Johnny Hecker's a dude like Johnny Hecker's a quarterback playing punter too. And then can punt at an elite level. No, absolutely. Like if, if this, if Dixon can run six fake punts a year too, then I guess we talk about it, but Mm. all right. All right, smart. I have a, a a tiny special surprise for you mm. and um, and our listeners this week. So you know, and many people who know me know that when it comes to Blue Jays broadcasts, I am not the biggest fan of Buck Martinez. One might say I am very unhappy with him a lot of the time. And as Sportsnet this year made it so that my MLB TV subscription means nothing for the Blue Jays, I can no longer watch Blue Jays games on MLB.tv, which means I have to listen to Buck Martinez. There isn't even a radio broadcast. It's all Buck all the time if you're watching the Blue Jays. That's hard for me. I don't like it. Not a fan. Anyways, a few weeks ago, wife and I go out, have several drinks, 
watch an online concert on the computer. Um, have several more drinks. We are very hungover the next day. Monday morning rolls around. And I am met in my email with a whole new thing that uh, I'm going to say in some ways changed my life forever. So I'd like you and everybody else to listen to this. Hello, Charles. Mark Martinez here. Your wife has asked me if I could give you some advice for life. Well, that's <laughs> a tough assignment because everybody is so much different. But, you know, I'm probably a lot older than you. I'm going to be 73 in November, and I've had the uh, benefit of living a long, healthy life and had great family and friends around, and I've been able to do exactly what I wanted <laughs> to do my whole life, play baseball okay. and I'm still making a living involved in baseball. I started my professional career in 1967, and I did it just because I loved to play. I think if I could give you one piece of advice, it would be do what you love in life, at your job and at your family, and you know, you wanna take some time with your family, make sure you do that, because you never know what tomorrow is going to bring. So take care of the loved ones around you, don't sweat the small stuff. Handle the business of the important things and all those other little things will take care of themselves. And another thing that's helped me through my 46 years of marriage, I always tell my friends, you have two choices. You can be right or you can be happy. Long time ago, I chose to be happy and it's really worked out very well, Charles. So anyway, I wish you the best. I hope you and your wife have a great summer and uh, once again, don't sweat the small things. Do what you love to do and take care of business right now because you never know what tomorrow will bring. And if you want to do something, you want to take a trip, you want to go someplace, you want to have a nice meal at a great restaurant, go ahead and do it because you never know what tomorrow's going to bring. All the best, Charles. Have a great summer. Bye for now. <laughs> oh, dear. How is that? Yeah, I did not expect that. Right? Um, is that <laughs> is that cameo? That's that's the Canadian ripoff memo. Oh, uh, okay. Um, but basically the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I was familiar with the uh, the process. Wow, what a gift! Um, that is uh, hilarious. Shout out to my drunk wife for buying that for me. She apparently <laughs> forgot it happened, and then on on Sunday <clears throat> saw the email that said thanks for your purchase uh, and it was like oh shit uh, and then monday morning i was like what the hell is this that's so, hilarious I'll poor buck hey. poor buck recording that <laughs> actually thinking like he was recording it for someone for who a big was actually fan gonna take yeah, yeah. And like throwing in like marriage <laughs> advice at the end like you picking up that restaurant tab oh, buck? i mean man. If, we, if i go out to eat are you 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 know buying my meal like come on tell you what like this is a baseball broadcasting professional because my wife basically told him just talk about nonsense for two minutes. And he was like, I gotcha. You know, he's like, I started playing baseball in 1962. <laughs> it's like, all right, Buck, tell us about your life story here, bud. Oh dear. Hey, oh dear. I remember 
No, finish your thought. I was just gonna say, like, no, like no flame on the guy. Like, I don't like his broadcasting, but like nothing he said here was like outrageous or terrible or whatever. No, it's no. Like, but but that a little was... bit of like human cliche machine, though, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And 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 um, it was kind of like stream of consciousness, consciousness. Buck Martinez. There. The thing is, is like, I'm sure like eighty percent of the slubs that do that do a much half-assed job. Like Buck actually looked like he oh, took that dude. very serious. I wish I I wish I remember the name, but so uh, my wife's sister uh, loves a show from the '90s, like one of these CW shows, Roswell or something like that. And uh, she decided for her birthday, what we should really do is send her uh, a video from this guy from Roswell. And I was like, I've never heard of this guy. I'm not like the most up on celebrities, but like I know a lot of them. And I was like, I've never, like, I have no idea who, who this human being is. And, and she was like, no, 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 trust me, like do it. But it was still like 70 bucks. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like this guy was a huge star. Um, so off we go and, and buy this thing. And, and for those of you that know, my, my wife's name is Jamie. And so, uh, send the guy a note saying like, Hey, it's from Jamie and it's, uh, to her sister, Morgan and if you could just say like happy birthday to Morgan and she's a big fan and all that stuff and this dude records a cameo on a golf course like some he's just standing there like on the fairway like hey I'm uh here on my golf vacation that I take every so often and Morgan uh-huh. I hear it's your birthday and uh your brother Jamie Asked me to wish you a happy birthday. So, uh, like, a very happy birthday. Like, got the sex wrong of my wife. Was like, <laughs> your, your brother, Jamie. Like, yeah. oh, okay. So, he's like, there's been some bad ones. Like, that's, you know. I, I sent uh, my best friend one for his birthday because uh, he's a wrestling fan. And I sent him a, um, uh, a guy named uh, Ellsworth who was, like, a very – a wrestler – but like he made, um, he, he had quite the impact because he like looked like me. Well, when I was skinny, it was, it was like he looked like a hundred eighty pound guy who went out there and wrestled all these folks, and it was like kind of his gimmick that he was like the everyman, and, and everybody kind of liked him for it. But his like his cameo was like fifteen bucks. It was like nothing, right? It was like oh yeah, this is a joke. I'll send it to my buddy for his birthday. <laughs> but so like there's some like real weird sketchy shit you can do out there. Um, but Buck was a pro. He, he, he was a goddamn pro there. Just like talking about nothing. The the best cliches. Do what you love. You can be happy or you can be right. Like, thanks, Buck. Yeah, it could all be gone tomorrow. Yeah, your advice cetera, really, really came through. It, what it makes me think about is like when I was a kid growing up in the 90s, like it was like very cliche and like mm. not seen as well for even a celebrity to do like a coca-cola commercial or like like a gum commercial would be like oh yeah that guy Uh, sold out man like yeah he sold out real bad yeah and now like it's just like 20 bucks you give me 20 bucks like we all know how much money i've made off tv to movies but if you give me 20 bucks and you send me the name of your girlfriend i will send her you know like i can't it's almost surreal to me that like I'm surprised and I'm not surprised where we've gotten with this. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Because if you right now, if you go, you meet a celebrity somewhere and you're like, Hey, I want to get a picture. 
I, man, if I was a celebrity, I'd, I'd start finding that real fucking annoying because it was one thing when you and I were growing up and it was the 90s and not everybody had a camera with them every second of every yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so if somebody happened to have a camera and asked to get a picture, you're like, oh, okay, great. Like, what, is, what, is, what a weird thing that you have a camera with you. But sure. Now everybody has a camera all the time. And people people want a picture. Louis C.K., who, you know, we, we pretend not to like anymore, like, <laughs> um, once talked about how, like, he, he met this group of people and they were like, Hey, can I get a picture? He's like, no, I don't want to do that. But like, I'll talk with you for a while. Like you want to have a little bit of a chat. And they were yeah. like, no, like I want yeah. the picture. Yeah. Not interested. Yeah. It, Cause it's this weird, like social credit thing we're doing and picture art didn't happen. Yeah. It's like, if it's not on Instagram, who cares? Yeah. Um, you know, I met Shane Corson when I was, oh, nice. I don't know. For Montreal captain, uh, former Toronto Maple Leaf. Yep. Uh, but, but when I met him, I was a hundred percent starstruck. Like I was like, I'm big Leafs fan and, and was more of a hockey fan than, than I am now. Um, and was super starstruck and, and probably made a bit of a fool of myself. Um, but I got his autograph, but I didn't get his autograph for me. I got his autograph for my friend, Sarah. And the reason I did that was because I was like, well, I met you. Like I, I met you. I shook your hand. I said, hello, I'm covered. Right. I have a nice memory of meeting you and you were nice to me. And that was good. Um, and so this is cool because I get to go give that to somebody else that they wouldn't have necessarily had and, and I think she has a crush on you or whatever so that, that would be nice and I just don't think that's how it is now people are like no I need a receipt that this transaction happened it's yep. not good enough for me to know that I talked to you and I met you and you were nice mm-hmm. I need to be able to put it on Instagram or Facebook or mm-hmm. Twitter and say to other people look i met this person very similar to the aforementioned discussion about how it's not good enough to just get vaccinated and not tell a soul yeah true well you know like i gotta let the whole world know yeah that that i'm not an anti-vaxxer yeah and, and on, i am i am on the left on, on the, this is my proof on the one hand i think it's fine if it's occasional yeah but like there's some real fucking weirdos out there now where even when I lived on PEI, I can think of two people from when I lived on PEI that they would hear that a celebrity was on the island. Oh, my God. And they just hop in the car. Uh, hop in the car. Yeah. And just yeah. go out, yeah. get the picture. And, and their Facebook is just littered with pictures of them with, you know, B and C list celebrities. Yeah. Who are not smiling and begrudgingly taking a picture. Yeah. Like I and that's actually a really good point because I can't think of one of those pictures that I saw where the other person is like, "Oh, this is so cool that I have a fa-. like." They're never yeah right. No. Not pumped. Live shot of someone being inconvenient. And I and, and that's the thing. Like I, I get wanting to inconvenience to want want to have a moment with that person that you have mm-hmm. some kind of connection with them whether they're they're an athlete or they were an actor in something that you loved or or i, I mean even some people get like that about politicians or whatever like okay fine you know but that have have that moment man mm-hmm. don't don't just create this like social currency for yourself yep I, put the put I, the phone down and live in the moment. I, I bet half the time these actors or or sports people or whatever would would much rather talk to you for two minutes 
than take that picture. Absolutely. Make a connection. Yeah. Find out where you're from. Where Absolutely. are you from? Oh, I saw your goal against, you know, uh, yeah. the Kings in 2003. He's like, oh, yeah, that was, man, that was tough and, and quick with yeah. such a good goaltender. And, you know, Absolutely. I, I, you know, I just don't think. And so when we look at these to bring it full circle, these guys doing this stuff, I think I, I have no problem with it because I think it's them just recognizing yeah. what's already happening. Yeah. yeah. They're like, okay, yeah. you're. You're exploiting us, so we're going to get some money for the exploitation. Yeah. No, I, I get it. I completely get it. Um, there was a line in Curb Your Enthusiasm, the guy that's playing the Lakers doctor, yeah. and Larry's Larry's trying to get him to look at his, his neck or his shoulder in the golf locker room at the clubhouse, and the guy's like, look, what do you do for a profession? Okay, you're a writer. Well, next time you're in, in a big rush and you got somewhere to be, why don't you write me a bunch of shit for free? Right. You know, like he was trying to explain to him, like, this is what it's like to be a doctor and get yeah. asked everywhere you are for medical advice, no matter what you've got going on. Um, the other thing I want to say, too, is uh, just about that whole PEI celebrity behavior. You know, also, too, just because you see a celebrity and you recognize a celebrity doesn't mean you have to approach them. A good example, um, I don't want to pat myself on the back here, but. If anybody has seen the show Breaking Bad, uh, Hector Salamanca, the old guy in the wheelchair oh, yeah. that rings a bell. My brother, my mom, and I were in town for a Yankees game. We were having uh, a bite to eat at one of our favorite spots in uh, on Canal Street in Chinatown. And I look over my shoulder, and it's Hector Salamanca, a couple wow. tables down, by himself, Mark Margolis, uh, the actor's name, enjoying his lunch. And my brother and I, big Breaking Bad, big Better Call Saul fans, like, you know, we kind of had like, oh, should we go? But cooler heads prevailed and we realized he was enjoying his food and enjoying his meal. Nobody wants to get bugged while they're eating. And uh, we left him alone. You, you know what I think the move is there? Because I've, I've been in this situation. OK. Send him a drink. Yeah, yeah, that too. That too. Right. Absolutely. I was For at. Sure. Um... We also, too, did CSI behind him. Like he knew that we knew who he oh, was. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like I even that was kind of like enough. Yeah, and but like, I I, uh, I was at a bar called Hair of the Dog, which is right around the corner from where they do the um like the grand one of the Grand Slam occurring like the Players Championship out here. Yeah. And um, a buddy of mine sat down and we're having a few drinks before the first night of the tournament, and we look across and. Uh, Kevin Cooey's team is there. And this is at, just after they won an Olympic medal or won a world championship. I think they might have an Olympic medal too. Um, I was like, oh shit, that's like Kevin Cooey. And I was like, okay. So I said to the bartender, like, hey, can you just, whatever they're drinking, give put their next round on us. And she did it. And they, that now, you know, good classy guys, they, they bought it back for us. But it's like, there's no expectation with it, right? It's like, hey, the, the uh, we know the waitress is going to tell you it's our round uh, you're probably going to say hey thank you i'll give you a nod and like hey great and if you want to initiate a discussion right if you're like oh you're like is my way of saying i am a fan and if you want to be like oh you're a fan let's chat about that or chat about yeah. whatever then i'm available then i, I i'm available for that but yeah. if you want to just fucking keep eating and drinking like be fine like this is I, i'm just uh paying respect to uh, yeah. your contribution you know yeah the the other um, leave him the hell alone situation that I had 
was that my sister and I splurged big time and bought tickets behind home plate uh, for a Jays game. We might have been doing the podcast. We might have even talked about this before. Um, and it was when Kawhi had just won the championship. Mm-hmm. And so we're just hanging out behind home plate and eating and drinking and having a good time. And all of a sudden, Kawhi shows up in those seats. He's got a bunch of security around him or whatever, but he comes rolling in and sits right beside the dugout. And I'll tell you what, no one went to talk to him. Not a sing, not one person down there. The, there was like an understanding, like, just leave the guy alone. Why do we yeah. need to, he, he wants to, he, he wants to come watch a baseball game. Okay, great. Like we don't need to be up in his grill asking for autographs or, you know, doing any of that. People cheered when he walked in and we cheered yeah. when he walked out. But no one bugged him and, you know, did us a lot of good. He's out with the Clippers. Yeah, now, exactly. But, exactly. But, exactly. Like, uh, but we all, yeah, we all you, knew what was going to happen. You know what probably didn't do us a lot of good was a fucking helicopter following him. No. When, when he was taking his when kids he was figuring to out what he schools. wanted to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I will say, though, that I do think the context of that time did have something to do with it. I think, uh, sure. I think if the whole city hadn't have been on pins and needles hoping – knowing he was making his decision like if that just would have been a routine oh yeah Kawhi's under contract for five years routine night he's at the ballpark i think he gets harassed okay i'll uh here here's me saying some real un-pc shit i i think he doesn't get harassed because of where he is if you're in those seats behind home plates yeah well that too it's yeah. it's, it's all people, dentists and doctors and lawyers I, well people like me maybe but like you know like but it's folks that like know better. Yeah, right? have manners. Yes, exactly. If he came rolling into the five hundreds, yeah, yeah, exactly. That there'd be a lineup down the block, yeah. you know. But no, uh, a certain kind of person knows how to deal with a certain kind of person, and I, I think that's kind of what happened there. For sure. For sure. Um. All right. We want to talk about LeBron. Do we like Anthony Davis well, was hurt well, immediately in Game Six? Yeah, of course. Exactly right. Like nothing but agony every time he goes up with the ball. Um, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but you know, I had a good feeling that the Lakers weren't going to repeat this year, and repeat they did not. Yeah. Um, Phoenix has got a big series coming up against uh, the Denver Nuggets, who a lot of people think could be the dark horse team to win it with the way uh, the Joker Jokic is playing. It's a shame they don't have Canuck Jamal Murray out there. He, yeah. of course, is having uh, ACL, ACL surgery. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Utah, the number one seed, is waiting for uh, the Clippers. Speaking of Kawhi, uh, he's heading to a game seven against uh, Donkic and the Mavs. So we'll see who comes out of that Mavericks Clippers series. I like the those Jazz guys are waiting. There. Yeah, the Jazz are waiting for them. Uh, much to Dame Lillard's chagrin, and not by lack of effort by him, um, Denver did eliminate Portland. And the headline there now is that uh, Dame Lillard has pretty much gone to the press and demanded that Portland Trailblazers ownership hire Jason Kidd as its next head coach. Yeah, we're going to see what that looks like. Cause it's something of a power struggle again there. Do you want another? Well, it's just it, situation? right? I mean, your star players just turned the gun on you is yeah. essentially what just happened there. So expect long story short, expect Jason kid to be formally announced as the next coach of the Portland trailblazers here soon. Um, and do we think coaching was the issue there? Like, well, Terry Stotts got 
relieved of his duties. No, no, uh, I'm, I'm mainly... not saying there shouldn't have been a change, but like I don't know that that's no, no, you know. It's, yeah, it's uh, you know they've gotten the the Trailblazers are an interesting story right now. They're arguably a superstar away from true true contention status. As good as C.J. McCollum and uh, Nurkic and you know Mello on the back end of his prime all are. Uh, Lillard's going to need some help there in Portland. And really, you can make the argument the argument that ever since LaMarcus Aldridge left, uh, Dame Lillard has needed a new sidekick. Yeah, I mean, you got to have a second guy. You can't do it. Yep. No one can do it on their own. So do just we... just to finish spinning around the league here, we're waiting Hold for Hold on, the... can I just finish on the yeah. Lakers for a second? Yeah, 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 Do we give a shit about LeBron walking off the court when he loses? Because it seems like it happens every year. Oh, my God. Yeah, that, remember that series? He does series... this crybaby shit every yeah. time. Remember that series before he left for Miami, uh, one of the last series there in his first run with Cleveland when uh, the Nowitzki Mavs yeah. who went on to win the title eliminated him. And he had his Cavs jersey off before he even entered the tunnel. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's uh, – I'm not – and I know it's a very not socially acceptable thing to say, but I'm not the biggest LeBron fan, and I haven't been for some time now. It's it's always a double standard and it's always mopiness and yeah. he can say whatever he wants and it doesn't it never matters because you know his shit doesn't stink and it, it, the act gets a bit old. Yeah, I I think we also have to acknowledge the fact that like what happens when you're 17 years old and on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Yeah, you no, know, no, I, yeah, I, no, I think that I mean, definitely fucks with your development. Yeah, but for sure, for sure, um, for sure. You know, I don't think we should take our foot off the gas around this guy not shaking hands when he loses. Yeah, no, he's he's a poor sport. Yep. He is a poor sport. And just a flop machine. A fucking yep. flop machine. It's real frustrating. Yep. yep. And father time, mileage. It's not so much father time catching up with him. It's just mileage, minutes. Yeah. His knees are starting to go. His ankles aren't great. Yep. Um, It's not going to be pretty there uh, five years from now. Um, but yeah, just to finish spinning around the league, uh, Denver Phoenix, we're still waiting for that series to start. Uh, and of course my Knicks who were the fourth seed, uh, lost four, one to the fifth seed Atlanta Hawks and Trey young. So Trey young is waiting to take on the number one seed Philly 76ers. Meanwhile, uh, tonight Brooklyn beat Milwaukee in their game one. So the nets are up one zip and we're waiting for all the other series to get going. All right. Is well, good as good as Philly looks, I think the winner of this Nets Bucks series is likely gonna represent the East in the finals. Yeah. I, I, I agree too. I think it's probably the biggest thing like like the biggest series that's gonna happen in this round. Yeah. Um and Twitter was all all a buzz about it earlier too. So uh they it's gonna be competitive. I mean they've got game one i mean there's a reason that the nets were huge favorites to win um i yeah i i don't think it's going to be a sweep though we'll we'll see what ends up happening here and i no, mean if, i don't i don't think they sweep them i but if i'm the greek freak i i mean resigning was questionable because you still haven't seen the supporting cast do enough yet yeah, it's what we what i just said about dame lillard uh yeah in in Oregon, it, it it's the same thing for Giannis in uh, Wisconsin. Yeah. 
All right, we're pushing two hours, so we got to go. My name is Charles. He is Nick Smart. As always, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you again next week.